0: before I even went to regionals in 2018 I I knew that I wasn't going to make it even though I just I felt like I should make it and I felt that I would be letting myself down or other people down if I didn't make it the pressure was just like crippling me almost and um I I did the regionals I it was probably my worst experience competing like the whole time I just was not having fun I was dreading every workout i was dreading every time that i had to go out on the floor and warm up and just not not an enjoyable experience so that was kind of like the big pivotal moment i think for for my career was just like okay this isn't fun anymore (laughs) and i'm not progressing on this like linear path that i thought that i would be
1: this is the limitless athlete podcast I'm Tom Foxley, founder of Mindset RX, and your host. And I believe we must redefine success to reflect the effort we put in more than the outcome we achieve. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm willing to work as hard as I can.
0: The there is no past, there's no future, there's just this moment right here. I
1: did that, if I can get through that, like, come at me. Changing how I saw myself, like, as a man, not just as, as an athlete. It's okay that I struggle. It's okay. That's part of the deal. It's how I respond to it. Today on the Limitless Athlete Podcast, you'll be listening to a conversation between CrossFit athlete Allison Scuds and myself. Alison is another brilliant example of an athlete who has, on one hand, like the mindset advantages handed down to her, like supportive environment, parents who taught her to push hard whilst being kind to herself, supportive, encouraging community amongst sport, yet has chosen to work on her mentality because she's seen that nature isn't comprehensive, nurture matters too. The central theme of this conversation is how to learn the ability to drop expectations and focus on the effort we put in. Most of us have been wrongly taught to solely value the outcome of our actions and not the actions themselves, nor the character skills displayed in undertaking them. Yet it's those character skills that make the outcome possible. If we exclusively focus on the outcome, we can do everything right along the way and not get the reward. This feels like a failure when, in fact, you did everything in your control, everything you possibly could. What this does is breed discontent with yourself or the world. Not good, right? Or you can achieve precisely what you set out to achieve, but with a god-awful plan, a god-awful mentality, and it feels, well, shit. The nature of positive reinforcement means that because you achieved the goal, you'll keep repeating this plan to no success even though it's not working, even though it's the wrong way of getting there. In a world that says, never take your eyes off the prize, it takes courage to say, hey, no, I'm focusing on the process. This is about how I get there. And it feels strange that by taking our focus away from the outcome and valuing the effort we put in more highly, we get to have the cake and eat it too. We are happier, more content, more motivated and we're more likely to achieve the goal we originally set out in pursuit of. In the words of William Irvine, my goal is metal, not medals. Alongside hardship, Ali and I also discuss putting the fun back in training, despite it being tough, leaning into your strengths as an athlete instead of being like everyone else, the basic tools athletes can use to optimize their mental state and preparing effectively for competition alongside this episode we'll be releasing a partner episode the debrief where mindset rx head coach rachel and myself will help you apply the lessons within this podcast to your training and your wider life we'll also be pulling out the key ideas you may have missed and discussing how you can use this conversation and the wisdom within it to train your mindset and become the limitless athlete now back to the show with Alison scuds Welcome to the show officially, Alison. I I do appreciate you coming on.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here and um, I know it's been a long time coming. Yeah.
1: So let's start out with, um, I suppose, the kind of the obvious and easy starting place. Um, Tell me about where you grew up and what that was
0: like. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and um, my whole family was pretty much in Ohio, extended family and I have an older brother and sister, but they're, they're much older. My brother is seven years older and my sister is 18 years older. So in a lot of ways, it was like being an only child. You know, my brother was always in the house, but he was so far, you know, ahead of me that <clears throat> he was kind of always doing his own thing and I was doing my own thing. And um, my main sport growing up was competitive all-star cheerleading, which a lot of people don't know of but um it's essentially a year-round sport um outside of schools some schools have competitive cheerleading but mine was just kind of like a club team essentially and yeah we would travel around the U.S. competing and was at a pretty high level and that um that was you know my main passion growing up and uh when I was in school um I decided that I really wanted to be on Top Gun All-Stars, and that was like one of the best teams in the world at the time, and I think they still are. Uh, I don't keep up with it as much, but, and so I was like, well, once I graduate, I'll be free to do whatever I want so I can move down to Miami and be on their program, and that's essentially what I did. Uh, I tried out virtually, luckily made the team. graduated high school, and then moved down to Miami. Uh, I started going to school at the University of Miami, and I was on Top Gun All-Stars, their international open co-ed level five. And yeah, that was kind of like a check, like dream come true kind of thing. And I, looking back on it, when I was younger, before college, I really related to my friends who were on my cheerleading team you know very athletic goal-driven you know mostly high higher achievers and um so those were really like my people whereas like I had a harder time connecting with um peers at my school and so when I went to college though I kind of felt that like flip-flop a little bit like I was on my cheerleading team and of course I had friends there and um but everybody's a little bit older. And at that point, and, you know, cheerleading was like their main thing where I was like, already kind of like to the next thing. And I was really able, I found, really found my community at my school. So once I did that for one season, I was like, it just feels better to like retire at this point. Like, this is, this is the moment. Like I achieved my greatest goal, um, and I'm really feeling this calling towards, you know, getting more involved with school and, and being around more on campus and whatnot, because it was very separate from school. Like it was a far drive. <laughs> I actually had to, you're not allowed to have a car as a freshman. And so I had to park about a mile away. So I would get done to school, ride my bike a mile to the parking garage, drive my car down the parking garage, drive about 20 minutes to uh or sorry 20 miles to uh, cheerleading practice which in Miami traffic you never know how long that's going to take get done at practice at like 9 30 at night and then come all the way back home and you know go to school the next day so it was, it was very taxing and it took a lot of extra effort to do that um yeah after the cheerleading worlds in 2012 I was like all right I feel good and like I had also seen a lot of my friends do it until they didn't like it anymore and yeah is that a
1: common students. thing the kind of the burnout thing because i know gymnastics it's, it's a huge thing it's like i'm not saying it's the same yeah. sport but there's kind of a similar almost
0: aspect yeah to it. I, th- I think probably so i i did i never really did a high level gymnastics but i did um high school gymnastics for a couple of seasons but yeah i would imagine it's very similar you know it's it's tough physically on your body and um but it's it's such like a, you know, most people that do it are so passionate about it, because there's really no money or like glory in it at all. Like most people have never heard of it. There's, you have to pay to do it, you know, there's no sponsors or like things like that. And so the people that do it are, are really passionate about it. But, um, but yeah, I've seen a few of my friends just kind of they, you could just tell their heart wasn't truly in it anymore and um it it really has to be to uh to do your best and so mm. I just felt like i was i was satisfied and was ready to move on to the next thing in my life and um I didn't really think about it too much at the time you know I think I've thought about it more now um in retrospect but it was just like yep that that feels right, you know. <laughs> and...
1: Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool that you had this um this ultimate ambition, like this kind of like this is what I want out life, and kind of like a childhood dream to to get mm-hmm. to this point. Like it's probably we th- well the majority of what you thought about it probably determined a lot of decisions you made, and then you had the um the peace of mind to go okay, that's kind of yeah. moved beyond it. Was there a um was there an event totally. that and like that you remember thinking okay that is like now is the time to move on.
0: Well, it was truly going back to what you just said, like that is how I at least remember it. Like I had this one track mind vision. Like I, I only applied to the University of Miami because I was like, I'm going to be on Top Gun. So like I got to go to school there. And I remember like many people were like, oh, don't you want to like, you know, get some backup schools just in case? And I was like, nope, I'm going to Miami. Like I was just like so tunnel vision on this like dream that I was going to make it come true. And um That season was was actually pretty tough, you know, because I think it was kind of like going from being a not a big fish, but a bigger fish in a small pond to like want, you know, like a team who is everyone is extremely talented and very hardworking and very good and like the best of the best. Like I wasn't the only person moving from out of state or traveling a long way to be on that team like everybody was doing that. And so it was very different. And I wasn't, you know, I I was, I would say one of the least talented people on my team. And so at the beginning of the season, I really wasn't I didn't feel like I was contributing that much to like our routine. I was kind of I I was usually a flyer, but um Sorry, what does I that was mean? on the uh the person who they, you know, hold up or throw yeah. up. Um but I was honestly like on the bigger size of of the girls I was like probably 130 pounds but some of the other flyers were like 115 pounds that were maybe even less and um so they were kind of like naturally selected to be the flyer so I wasn't even really flying um and I felt like it was because of like I was just a little bit bigger and they didn't know my skills as well but I always I always kind of believe like, I deserved a spot to be a flyer, and, like, if I just had the chance to show them, like, I my talent was um, better than, you know, like, my size, I guess, and it's kind of, like, looking back on it, it's, like, a whole, I'm sure this is part of, like, gymnastics, too, like, the whole, like, body image thing, right, like, if I could just be lighter, I could show them, like, the skills that I have, and how I remember it was just that I was, you know still showing up to practice still be, like working as hard as I could just kind of like waiting for my chance you know to to show them and at the time there was a girl who was kind of struggling in the last previous competitions with her flying position and I just happened to be practicing with one of her bases and our coach saw us practicing and it, it like it was pretty cutthroat at this level like he was basically like other girl, you're out, and Allie you're in, and it's and it's like you're all on the same team, and it, but it's very much like everybody wants that center position, you know, in a way. So it's competitive, but it's also the team as well. And then from there on out, I I guess I proved that I was uh, good enough, and I ended up <clears throat> getting to be the flyer in the like center position, which is like the most uh, the you know, the spot that everyone wants. So that was, I think that was kind of just like, yeah, what does it, does it get better than that? You know? And um, we didn't, we didn't end up winning the world championships that year, which would have been like something that I would have loved to do. You know, that's why you go on, you seek out these really competitive teams is because you want to win the highest competition, but that didn't happen that year for us but we were still a really good team and like i said i felt like that being getting to be the flyer in that in the center position at the world that year was like yep like that that's that's pretty much as good as it gets
1: (laughs) yeah that's nice that you came out on a high like okay we're doing this really like i've got to this point i've achieved these goals i've I've moved beyond this like that's that's really cool um you mentioned something there's like about seven points you brought up there you should you know, I was furiously scribbling notes um the yeah. seven points that I want to kind of explore um there's one thing you kind of like mentioned in a passing comment that you had a kind of hard time connecting to your school peers but that kind of competitive mm-hmm. that driven environment that you found it easier to connect to um just quickly where are you spending most time um at, at that point was it with school peers yeah yeah so it was like we spent more time with school peers or more time with um are
0: you saying in high school
1: yeah in high school
0: I mean I was still extremely involved in high school like I did every sport there was not every sport but I did many sports I did golf track um gymnastics tennis and cheerleading at school And I was part of student government, I was part of drama club, I was part of choir, I was part of, you know, a a bunch of different activities. So I was spending a lot of time there. But that's kind of like, sometimes looking back, I'm like, how did I do all of that stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the same time? um, So I was definitely very involved in in high school. um, But I just wasn't, it was more, it felt, more so about like myself like I just wanted to do these activities because I enjoyed them and of course like I said I had friends and and um peers and people that I liked being around but I just felt like that bigger picture connection um more so to people on my cheerleading team
1: that's good and okay you mentioned golf there as well um is is that right yeah so there's I don't think there's a more Mm -hmm. mental sport than than golf in as much as like there's nothing to react to there's no kind of yeah. um like that is it like I just wanted to kind of bring it off, aside did you learn yeah. anything from uh from practicing golf in, in terms of mm-hmm. mindset mental uh, mental health or kind of focus
0: yeah I think that I mean it's truly like you versus you I mean yes you're playing against other people but they're um you know it's totally separate right and It's also the kind of sport that is very um, technical and obviously physical capabilities and athleticism comes to play in that a little bit. But a lot of the times, like, you know, you feel like you want to just like grip and rip Mm -hmm. and and then the ball goes like way over here. (laughs) So it's very much like you have to be calm and almost do the opposite of like what your emotions are like telling you to do. And that's especially true too for like, um you know when you're when you're hitting a drive like most right handers are gonna like flare it out to the right because we're like it's more more or less like a a baseball swing and so like when you think like no I'm gonna like try to hit it left, like that actually makes the problem of it going right worse and so it's just like that trusting um yourself and trusting the technique a little bit
1: yeah um I, I learned that lesson the hard way when I went around in 45 over par the other day. Um, so that was a, that was a not enjoyable experience, but that must've stood you in good stead for Olympic weightlifting for kind of um, for any skill, skill practices you went on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And golf wasn't like a huge part of my life. I just played it for one season and, but my brother and dad are extremely into golf. And so I would, you know, go to the range with them and, and I still play every now and then uh, with them and also like frisbee golf. But, um, but yeah, I think all of those sports in a way, you know, contributed to the athlete, of course, that I am today.
1: Just a quick heads up to say, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you're going to love a brand new offering that we've bought out. It's called Quad Shot of Brain Gains. It's essentially a newsletter, but don't let the boring phrase newsletter put you off. This is four things, four actionable things that you can actually apply to your training and wide life. And I'm only sending out once a week. I'm not going to give you a deluge of emails every single week. It's simply a very short four pieces that will massively impact your training and bring you to another level. To find it, all you have to do is go to MindsetRx.com. So that's mindsetrxd.com and click start here. Something that you mentioned a couple of times as well is the family aspect of this. Um, how did what kind of role did your parents play in like in your sporting life as a kid?
0: Yeah, they were um, always extremely supportive, but I never um felt like they were ever like pressuring me into anything. Like I it was always like myself, like like kind of like I was saying with all the different school activities. I just liked doing all of those things and being busy and being involved and being a part of those things. And so just truly a hundred percent supporting whatever I wanted to do and really believing that I could do it too. I remember I was kind of saying when I, when I kind of put all my eggs in one basket, uh, go, deciding to move to Miami, some people kind of, not that they doubted me, but they would say, oh, you know, like do, should you apply to other schools or like what's your backup plan or what's this? And I, I never felt that from, from my parents, they, especially my mom was just like, yeah, like you can do that. And kind of very similar theme when when I graduated college my degree is in biomedical engineering. And it was kind of at this point where I was getting really into CrossFit and being uh, at peak 360 with Noah and Guido and really seeing Noah be one of the first, you know, full-time professional athletes, at least very close to me. I was like, yeah, I want to do that. And um, very similar thing. My mom was just totally supportive. She was just like, Yeah, you can, you'll figure it out. And so, just having that, conf- her having the confidence in me gave me confidence to be like, Yeah, I will figure it out and I will make it work. Like, this is my passion and this is what I want to go after. And the path is not totally clear right now, but I have the confidence that I will be able to make it work.
1: It's a funny one because having a plan B is sometimes a really effective strategy. And sometimes it's a, Um, it's a reaction out of fear. It's like, oh, maybe I don't entirely believe um, in my plan A and whether I'm good enough to execute it. So it's it's really cool that your mom gave you that kind of uh, self-trust and confidence. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think now that I'm older too, especially as a parent, you know, like you want your kids, you don't, you probably don't want your kids to fail. And so having a plan B is like, okay, that's not failing. That's just like another plan. But but yeah, I just I'm, and I'm sure that it was she. She knew that I could. She truly believed that I could do it too, just mm. because of the type of person that I am, and and so that has really been, I think, a huge part of my the person I am today.
1: Yeah. Were there any times you um you remember doubting yourself and any conversations you had with your mom, or was that kind of something that was always there?
0: Oh no, absolutely, definitely, and I've I've always experienced that doubt before and I think that having her as like a sounding board and almost just making it not a big deal like you'll figure it out you know is 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 calming in a way like oh yeah I will I will figure it out and maybe it won't go exactly you know plan a perfect case scenario but whatever challenges arise or whatever you know roadblocks come up I'll I'll figure it out (laughs) yeah
1: yeah, we're going to use that um, the phrase kind of ultra-realist as we go through this, but that ability to scramble um, and that ability to say, oh, you know what? It's going to be okay. I'm going to figure it out. That seems like something that was mm-hmm. embedded in you from an early yeah. age. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So until until kind of... The end of, of college, um, it seems like you're kind of your life is is fairly well focused at like, OK, um, sports and athleticism and like kind of it seems to be the primary thing. Where does was it biomedical or biomechanical engineering?
0: Biomedical. Yeah. OK,
1: so where's what tree is to biomedical engineering?
0: I think that um, you're right in saying that the athletics really drove um, me as a younger kid but I think that the even bigger picture was just I really like challenges and I like doing things that other people are either scared to do or they can't do or they they give up early or something like that and really just being that being able to take on those challenges and so I think that's why I like so many different activities, because um, it was like, oh, this is different, like, how can I get good at this? And the same was true with school, too. I <clears throat> I did really well in school, and I d- definitely had um, a liking towards the science and math aspect of it, just because it was very, they're very much challenge-oriented, you know, how do you solve this problem? Um, and having developing those problem solving skills through those subjects i just kind of lean towards them and i think it was probably i i was taking an anatomy class in high school and we went to this genetics conference which was kind of talking about i don't even remember the specifics of it it was so long ago but just talking about like regenerative medicine and just kind of this new age of medicine with like tissue engineering and organ engineering and stuff like that. And for whatever reason, that like really captivated me. And so I think that experience plus just the love of science, math and challenges, I was like, well, what, what does that fit under? And that was biomedical engineering. It was like, this seems like a really tough degree that has aspects that I'm interested in and well, let me see if i can do it
1: <laughs> so within that, that kind of that bigger challenge what were the smaller challenges that you remember facing within it
0: oh my god well it it was definitely a very big shock like going from high school where i definitely worked hard for school but it, it was it was easy in a way like i don't i didn't have to i didn't really learn how to study or or take tests or balance um really difficult subjects. So when I went to school, it was essentially the same thing that happened on the cheerleading side as well. Like now I'm at a university where everybody was at the top of their class. Everybody's really hardworking, everybody's smart and and um and came from a lot, you know, I, I feel the same ways like I I was like one of the least talented people. And you know, maybe that's just my perception of it, but um so that was very much a shock when I started school um especially with engineering most degrees you have to take between like 18 and 20 credits every single semester like a lot of a lot of um other degrees you only have to get like 40 I forget the numbers but significantly less credit hours to get that degree and then you kind of just fill in with like extra degrees extra majors minors and uh, stuff like that but the engineering degrees, at least at Miami, were, like, pretty much your whole schedule is booked from freshman to senior year with, like, very little choice, and um, so it was a huge class load, and my classes were extremely tough, (laughs) and so I, I really felt for many semesters, like, I was just barely staying alive, like, I got my first semester, I think I was overplaced in my math class, so I got like a D. And then I ended up they they have like a program I think most schools do where you can like retake a class if you get a lower grade your first semester, and then they, it's like freshman forgiveness. <laughs> and so I had to like retake that class, and a lot of those classes are you know the weed out classes, so they're just two hundred people in a lecture hall, and you just show up and your grade is either 100% the final or 50% the um, midway exam and then 50% the final. So it's just very different than the type of school that I was used to. And honestly, the whole time I was in school, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not, <laughs> but I'm just going to keep going and keep trying. And eventually I'll either get like too far to like, yep, I'm like failing and I need to change my plan or you know the last two years of school I definitely felt like I was like pushing through that threshold of like okay I'm getting better grades um the classes are much more interesting and like specific to the degree and um I was I was doing a lot better then <laughs> yeah.
1: so there's obviously like loads of technical skills you learned like what are those lessons that you took out like because there's there's a lot of challenge within that and quite often we do things and we don't really realize why we're doing them and how they're going to apply mm-hmm. to everything else that we we do yeah. in life how do you apply the kind of the non-technical lessons that you learned in what you do today or do you see kind of like from similar or similarities in in what you do what you did back then and what you're doing now
0: i think it's very similar in a lot of ways and i think the technical things that you learn in school you forget those very quickly, you know, because you're just learning so much and it's for a very short amount of time and you're, you're not really ever applying them um, unless you're in certain special cases. But most of the time you're just learning and regurgitating on the test and then moving on to the next thing. Um, so I think I truly believe that the, the biggest things that I learned from school are the bigger concepts of facing challenges and perseverance and just keep going really like that honestly that's what it felt like uh looking back on it was just like okay need to pass that semester little break and like let's hit this next one and see what happens again
1: so if you take yourself back back, go on sorry
0: i was going to say the the biggest difference between that that i've really noticed the last couple years is that school is very much you know four-year degree maybe it takes you five for whatever reason but it's pretty much set out like if you pass the classes like you're going to make it it's very like um it's more of a clear path whereas Mm -hmm. like once you get outside of school and what I've experienced in my um you know CrossFit career is just that it's not as clear and you could be passing all the classes and you know what I mean? Like make, uh, that was a quote for the podcast, like metaphorically passing all your classes, showing up every day and, and giving your best effort, but it's no guarantee that you're going to metaphorically graduate or reach your, your goals. Um, And so I think that is where creating goals that are not necessarily outcome dependent comes in and redefining success and what that means like when you're in when I was in school it's like okay success is graduating getting my degree passing my classes whatever and then when I switched okay my goal is to make it to the CrossFit Games but that goal is not uh, truly in my control because it's based off of what other people are doing and so that has been the journey that i've been on the last couple years of like what well what is success then if i can't if i'm not in control of that goal am i going to be constantly like chasing this goal that's like only partially controllable
1: nice um let's dive into that because that that's like that's a a topic that goes deep so on a micro level say within a training session when you're like the temptation is to think especially if we haven't trained our mindset oh Shit, like this isn't going well. Then, therefore, I'm not going to perform this comp, or I'm not going to get to the body image goals that I have, or I'm not going to get to um that lift that I'm, I'm aiming at. How do you remind yourself of the process-based goals and kind of who you're becoming in those moments?
0: Well, I think it's a just like the physical training; it's a, it's a, pr- a practice every day that you have to commit to and. I think this move has been a really big eye opener in a way for me because I, for the last I don't know year and a half that I've been with Mindset RX or two years maybe now, it was I was doing the work every day, pretty consistent. You know, sometimes miss days or or have a bad week or something where I wouldn't be as consistent, but overall was very consistent. And then after semifinals I was or before semifinals I was like the most dialed in I've ever been and I felt like I really had the best experience mentally and physically uh in a competition and of course after a big event like that like I think everyone needs a a little bit of a break and a reset and for me I had a lot of things that like kept coming up in that break so I did the um Testing for the games and then I was on the demo team and then we moved and then I was on vacation now I'm back and then I took another trip and so it's been a lot very choppy for me so I haven't been as consistent with my journaling and my mindset work and I I feel like not that I'm back at square one but I'm like I don't I don't have that mental um control I guess that I used to and so that it's been good in a way, I think, to show me that maybe I was like taking that for that work for granted a little bit. And I think that's true for any type of consistent work you do, whether it's physical, nutrition, and anything like that. And so to answer your question in the long way, it's just about practicing. And for me, I've luckily found you guys, Marta Rx, to have, you know, a coach, but also just like the, the daily prompts and different books to read and so all of that together ha- is kind of like what my daily practice looks like
1: um it's a it's a difficult thing to do to remind yourself of that kind of and you know, to take yourself away from that angle and because uh, mm-hmm. we're often taught especially in the CrossFit community as well it's like it's quite um achievement focused like mm-hmm. is like plates on a barbell Space, yeah. uh, places at competition leaderboards at, mm-hmm. in the in the cross books. um mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a definitely a, a challenging thing to do was there a time in your life when you did fall into that trap of kind of comparison or into that trap of like judging yourself by the leaderboard
0: oh yeah absolutely and I think that <clears throat> probably every athlete goes through that and um in one degree to or another and I think for me, when I started CrossFit, it was very, I got really good really fast and it was like very lin- linear. So like, you know, this year, and, and that's kind of how the open is marketed to, you know, like test your fitness to see how much better you get each year. And while that's true for, for people who are very beginners, um, I don't think that's as true once you get to a certain level. Uh, I don't think that your ranking is necessarily means that you're more fit or less fit than you were the year before. Because um, there's so many variables of how many people have signed up, who signed up. And and especially at, at the top, it gets, it's what workouts came out. You know, that's it's a big factor in there. So for me, it was very linear. The first uh, three or four years that I competed, you know, I was placed, just missed, you um, Competing as an individual at regionals in 2015, so I did a team. 16, I placed high enough to be an individual, um, and I think I got like 20th or something at regionals. And then 17, I placed even higher in the open, and I got seventh at regionals. So 18, I was like, all right, like this is my year. I was only two spots away. Every year, I've like linearly progressed, so the only spot to go is is the games. And so like I really put a lot of pressure on myself that year to like, well, of course I'm going to make it to the games. Like, and if I don't, what does that mean? Like I've been working hard and I'm better than I was last year. And, um, but I think that the, just all that expectation that I put on myself was, was, um, just kind of like paralyzed me in a way. <laughs> um, I, be- before I even went to regionals in 2018, I, I knew that I wasn't going to make it, even though I just, I felt like I should make it. And I felt that I would be letting myself down or other people down if I didn't make it, but I was just so far, like the pressure was just like crippling me almost. And, um, I, I did the regionals. I, it was probably my worst experience competing, like the whole time. I just was not having fun. I was dreading every workout. I was dreading every time that I had to go out on the floor and warm up and just not, not an enjoyable experience. And, um, so that was kind of like the big pivotal moment I think for, for my career was just like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. (laughs) And I'm not progressing on this like linear path that I thought that I would be. So like it was really um, questioning my reality and these stories that I had created for myself. And of course, I wasn't able to, you know, be like, Oh, this is what I have to do now and and figure it out in a day. Like, I feel like I'm still on that process of what, what, why am I doing this? And what are, how do I define success through ways that are completely in my control? And how do I basically be confident in like committed I guess to that path of success because I think that no matter how much mindset work you do that there's probably still always going to be that pull of like well I still want to beat that other person and and of course that's why that's why we that's why I think all the competitive you know we're all competitive right because we're doing a competitive sport um but just, I think it's about as a journey of recognizing when that is taking away and versus when that's helping you.
1: Yeah, the competition's a, a funny one because it is such an important driver. And it's like, if it wasn't such an important driver, we wouldn't feel emotionally connected to it and it wouldn't be meaningful to us but it has this point where it reaches that pressure and the fun Mm -hmm. goes away from it and it's usually when we start to have expectations of this is what I'm going to achieve but I found it so interesting that you kind of you said that you on one hand were putting pressure on yourself and expecting to get to uh, the top five regionals that year Mm -hmm. but you also knew that you weren't going to get there and it's just like these mm-hmm. two beliefs that are confronting each other and they're paradoxical. Um, I think that also a lot of people think that an athlete of your level might not get that. And they might think that that doesn't apply to you, but like, so what's it like to be in that? Just so you kind of, we all know that it's, it's a very similar thing. Like what, what's it feel like for you to, or what did it feel like for you to be in that place? It was
0: just, it was really frustrating, you know, because like I, felt like I in a sense like deserved it um which not to say that I didn't because I worked hard for it but I don't think that I was the I think there's more than the physical aspect that goes into being it and also at the at the I guess you could say like the bubble level of of athletes who are you know not making it to the games and making it to the games like there's there's a lot of factors that are out of your control you know the the best of the best like the TIA's and the mats, like they're going to make the games no matter like what workouts come up who shows up but i i feel like there's a lot of at least where i was at um then is like the the workouts were heavily dependent or like me making it were heavily dependent on like what kind of workouts showed up because i had some weaknesses and still have some weaknesses and just really the mental state that i was in and like i don't know if i was if i was as mentally fit as i am now would i would i have made it um then but i know for sure the mental aspect um, hindered my my uh, performance because i just was not able to really push through those um, hard moments it was more of like proving that negative story right like oh I knew I wasn't going to make it and so not really giving up but just not being able to like break through like um and believe in myself I think
1: yeah it's funny how they become a self-fulfilling prophecy Yeah, uh, this this yeah. um these beliefs of like okay maybe I'm not gonna make it or I'm not good enough to get there or like yeah. maybe it's not my year we kind of we know we're acting in accordance with it but we still do it anyway and it's like mm-hmm. what's it What's the difference between that and now you're a bit further down your journey of mental fitness.
0: I think that it's still, it's still there. And I think that's been the humbling part of like kind of taking this break from the mindset work that I have is like, I feel, I felt very confident in my self and my physical abilities and just like my outlook on training and competing. And now that I'm back to training and Um, we, I'm here in Vegas and we have like a very competitive training group. It's um, I, I feel those like kind of old ways, or we call them, you know, bound natures coming into, into play. And I'm like, not as aware of them as I was before. And so they, they're, you know, getting to me in a way um, more so than they used to. And so it, it, um, what the question was what is the difference between
1: yeah when um, you're kind of like you've turned up that mental fitness and you're feeling like okay yeah I, I'm really in yeah. there kind of as fit as I can be mentally and originally so I
0: think it's, it's always there but you're just able to understand that that's not it, you know ultra realism like it doesn't have to be true just because your your mind is doubting yourself it's like yeah that's a normal thing to um think but then what if I thought almost the opposite as well like that is just likely to be true and um so just being able to be really aware of what's going on and not just um um and not just allowing it to happen
1: it gives you a certain perspective, having this um, awareness that you're generating. It's like, oh, I can see my yes. mental my mental state, my self-talk, my emotional state, like what I'm imagining mm-hmm. even, uh, the kind of physical state that I'll, my, my mentality is putting me in. And being able to recognize yeah. that gives you that, that little bit of space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an interesting thing. God, I'm sorry, you're about to say something.
0: No, I was just going to say, like, I think that it's, there's no difference, but it almost like closes the gap to be a little bit shorter. So for example like um if your reality is not matching up to your expectations you kind of go through this like grieving state of like oh like i'm not as good as i thought i was or as good as i should be or whatever that is and when you are able to recognize that um and you're more mentally fit you're able to quickly be like okay well this is my reality like how can i make the best of it Whereas um, when you're out of practice a little bit, it takes longer and it takes more effort to be like, okay, you know, what are my values? What are my goals? How can I shift my perspective and ha- and change my, you know, ad- um, accept my reality essentially. Yeah.
1: Yes, the difference between these things being top of mind and them being fully sunk down into our subconscious so so deeply that we can't separate them from reality. Yeah. And they become yep. our reality. And it's like it's Absolutely. so interesting that you're mentioning about um, these kind of peaks and troughs of mindset work. And sometimes, like I I do it, we all do it. We go through these phases mm-hmm. of like really nailing everything, like having mm-hmm. these conversations that develop our uh, mentality, um, journaling consistently, meditating, like breath work, whatever mm-hmm. it is for you. Like mm-hmm. we go through these steps and like they have these peaks and, and troughs of like productivity mm-hmm. there. But the key thing is that we're always conditioning our mentality. So we are training it whether we realize it or not. So if yeah. we are just letting the world happen to us and taking that on, that's conditioning our mindset. That is training our mindset. Yeah. But so is sit down with the journal. It's like, which train are you going to mm-hmm. give it? That's the.
0: Yeah. You're either moving towards it or away from it at all times. So, exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, mean, it dig- is, God, I think
0: it's in a way like it, it, I think this time has been valuable though. Like, even though I might've taken a couple of steps backwards, you know, um, just, just seeing um, how it's affected me is, is very uh, reassuring in a way too. I think that, and, you know, it's, it's not that I was like, Oh, I figured it out now, but it just like recognizing that it is truly a daily practice. It's not something that you just like, okay I understand that or like a flip a switch or something it's it's very much like you have to keep practicing it to to stay fresh
1: Mm. well there's there's two kind of parallels to our physical training there Mm -hmm. one being that you kind of you adapt to the the stimulus that you're given and the other Mm -hmm. thing being like the success isn't linear like I don't know about you but my back score hasn't progressively gone up every single month for, for my life like there's there's times yeah. when I get under a bar I'm like what like it feels like there's twice as much weight mm-hmm. on there. um mm-hmm. so like it's it's the same kind of thing we adapt like and, yeah. and things take a lot of time mm-hmm. so I want to dig into a few moments of competition um or kind of maybe significant events that have, have happened mm-hmm. I, Talk to you about West coast, uh, west coast classic um and your goals going into this uh in a, in a kind of is it more recent year When once you've been working with rachel mm-hmm. and, and us guys
0: mm-hmm. i think that one of my i had a few goals but one of my biggest goals was to regain my love and enjoyment for competition and Everybody's different, but I feel like me personally, I really thrive when I'm having fun. And so, and in a lot of ways, fun sometimes is understood to be the opposite of taking things serious, but I don't, I personally don't feel that way. And I know that I do my best when I'm having, I can perform my best when I'm having fun and enjoying the experience, being present. And, um, so I really just wanted to have fun at the competition because I knew that would be best for me. And I wanted to give my full effort, like, you know, my best effort on every single event, um, regardless of like what place I was in overall or in the event. And, um, so I think those were probably like my two main drivers of whether it was going to be a successful competition or not, obviously, you know, I still have the goal of like wanting to make it to the games. And, um, but those were like the two things that I was really like dialed into about defining whether this was going to be successful or not. And I, there's like a, there's a sense of power in like being able to, to set those success markers to things that are, truly in your control and so like in moments when I would be doing a workout and I would you know they always start to hurt at some point and being able to be like okay like what am I going to do now like am I going to keep pushing through because my goal is to give my best effort and work as hard as I can no matter the outcome or am I going to kind of like like I did more so at 2018 regionals of like you know, a surrender to that self-fulfilling prophecy of like, oh, I'm not good enough. So like, I knew this was going to happen and, and step back. And so I really felt like I did accomplish that. And there was, you know, every event kind of has its own little story and ways that I overcame challenges, whether that was like prepping for the event or like actually out on the floor. And I really did have, the most fun that I I think I'd had at any competition and um, I don't know how I did that specifically but just I think creating that as a goal and and it's very like true to myself too Um, I think sometimes people or at least I, I can only speak for myself but like you see you know athletes and serious athletes and that's I think something like a bound nature that I have like discovered of, of myself is like, I feel if I act a certain way, I won't be taken as like a serious athlete or serious athletes do X. And so I have to also do that. And, um, and so I think maybe just letting go of those, those um preconceptions or um I don't know what the right word is, but and just really living true to myself like I like laughing and I like you know making jokes and I like like sometimes even just being like oh like when you're feeling that pain instead of saying oh it really really hurts like this is I I will think to myself this is such a unique experience that I'm getting to live right now and and you know uh, saying that I that I always come back to is it doesn't have to be fun to be fun and so that always just like kind of is like yeah like everybody in the crowd right now they're they're just standing there and watching you know their heart rates are low and 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 I'm like suffering and for for whatever reason I can just like flip that perspective of like this is cool because it's different and it's hard and it's fun (laughs)
1: You found that challenge and difficult things are your primary drivers. Mm-hmm. Like it, that's why it's yeah. so important to figure out. Okay, who mm-hmm. am I? Like, what's my self knowledge? Like, or the, yeah, it's so important to develop self knowledge because you're figuring out what is it that really like gets me going in terms of like physical output, yeah. in terms of like ambition, and also what kind of turns me off in in this area as well. It's mm-hmm. like okay, because mm-hmm. for for some people fun might work, for other people that kind of that. Yeah constant pain and discomfort and like i uh-huh. hate this that might be their driver but yeah. like may not for be sure. my serving yeah. driver but it could be the drive for them um mm-hmm. that's really cool. what is yeah, the so words maybe feeling
0: maybe feeling like you don't have to fit into a certain mold of like mm-hmm. what works for certain athletes
1: yeah exactly well like you consider the difference between my life and your life and all the influences that have gone into that like yes we share like kind of similar aspects of culture and yes there's like certain things that we kind of that were probably going to be similar but there's no way that our drive is going to be the same like every experience Mm -hmm. that we've ever had every experience our ancestors had there's no way that we're going to like fit in exactly with this and that's why there's a one-size-fits-one approach like it's all about you Um, and and yeah that's something you do particularly well as well you kind of you adapt and you figure out what you do and that's one of the things Rachel said you do very well as well it's like Mm you you're very introspective you're willing to look at um, challenge and uh, difficulty and be vulnerable in light of that I think it comes from that Mm self-knowledge
0: yeah I think that that being vulnerable is something that I don't know what where I learned that I mean we probably learn the most stuff from our parents, but just that's one thing that I've always felt like has given me success in anything that I do is i'm I don't feel afraid to just kind of put myself out there and and fail. Like I'll be the first person to just be like, I'll try it and and I don't have any ego around that like that that trying and and failing or because I, I feel like that's how I learn or putting myself in. Um, vulnerable or exposing situations you know like moving out to Vegas and being you know last getting last place on on almost everything every day but because I know that's how I've always gotten better and that's how, that's the type of environment that I've been able to um, just get the most out of by just being a sponge and like looking up to these people who are better than me same goes with you know when I was on Top Gun like I felt like I was saying before like kind of just surrounded by people who are all better than me and same in school and so I I really thrive in those environments but of course not everybody does
1: Who or what do you think taught you that relationship with vulnerability?
0: Oh I mean, I feel like it's got to stem from my, my parents and my upbringing, but just, I think having the, like them never putting any type of like judgment on me or, or expectations on me. Um, so I always, and, and also just that confidence and like, you can figure it out. Like, I think is probably the main driver of that, you know, I, I tried all those sports in high school, I had never done them my whole life, but just knew that I was athletic and could probably figure it out. And so I think that and, and then the confirmation of like, oh, I'm actually like, okay, at this for only learning it for a couple months. And so just uh, building that confidence of like, okay, I might suck at first, but that's the quickest way to learn and also um, getting to experience unique opportunities like if I never put myself out on the golf team as the only girl on the team you know who'd never played golf before I wouldn't have gotten those experiences and and those lessons that I did and same for all the other sports that I played or uh, other clubs that I did
1: that's a great relationship to have with failure
0: yeah. that's exactly
1: what we're looking for it's like okay great this is an opportunity like this is mm-hmm. the like the obstacle is the way like the, the thing that stands yeah. in the way is the most effective way to get to where I want to to go and yeah. become who I want to be like it's mm-hmm. it's there for a reason and that kind of yeah. flip of, of perspective on between mm-hmm. this is something that's preventing me to get where I want to be to this is something that needs to be there in order to get mm-hmm. to where I want to. Be. that's a that's a really different way to live
0: Yeah and I had never really thought of it that way. Uh, That's just kind of like who I was I think Mm -hmm. growing up and I actually remember this like very distinct conversation that I had in college. I was a resident assistant and as like a team bonding thing we all went like ice skating and um, I had done ice skating when I was like two years old for like a year so I'm not like an experienced ice skater. I had been on the ice before but we went and I was kind of just like messing around, like going out, I fall, and like try to do like little tricks and stuff like that. And I was just having a good time. And, and afterwards, my friend, she, she said, she was like, that's something that I've always admired about you. Like, you're not afraid to just like go out and like fall. And, and I, and I was like, oh, I never like thought of it that way. You know, with ice skating, it's very literal. Like you're, you're going to fail and you're going to fall on your ass. But um. I had never really thought of it that way until she brought it to my attention. And and instead of, you know, just going around the edge where I'm safe, I'm just like, I'm going, I'm going for it. And, uh, and again, that's, that's what I find is fun.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, That's
0: such
1: such a lovely example. There's um, a book bounce by Matthew Syed um okay. who like the idea no well, that book was one of the books that changed my life it was like introduced yeah. to me by a PE teacher who kind of went oh this is a this is a topic that like is really important and it's not nothing to do with the curriculum but it's, it's important mm-hmm. to know essentially it introduced the idea of a growth mindset and um, before mm-hmm. Mindset by Carol Dweck came up like this was kind of the yep. one that pushed into that into that territory and there's an example in there I think it's in this book anyway um and I don't know which ice skater it is I don't know which competition it is but they were just like the elite of the elite in, in ice skating and they calculated how many times that she must have fallen in order to get there and it was like a million plus times they averaged it out They they kind of put some math together and I was like okay that's like a million falls to get you to where wow. you want to be and it's like a different relationship with with failure again it's like this is something that needs mm-hmm.
0: to happen yeah, and it's so true. Like if you only do things that you know you're going to succeed at, you're never pushing that that boundary of of what is possible. So I think that's probably, you know, where that stems for me. It's like, well, maybe maybe I could do that. You know, it's like creating those goals that are just right outside your comfort zone that you have a possibility of com- completing, but you're not a hundred percent certain.
1: Exactly. And if I was going to ask you about those moments in your athletic career that kind of provided the most meaning to you, that provided the most kind of, um, that you could, like, these are my favorite moments. These are the things that define me. I'm guessing there would be those parts that were not entirely easy. Or not yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think that um, I'd probably have to spend some time thinking about it. But, um, but yeah, I just... Moments in, you know, thinking of like CrossFit, the some of the best moments that I've had um, in my CrossFit competitions are just when I didn't have expectations for myself and I was able to just go out, be present, and give my best effort. And oftentimes I was surprised by what I could do. Um, And I think that's it's almost it's one of those things where if you force it and you have those expectations that you're, you're almost like trying too hard and that is getting in your way. At least that's what I've felt. And so kind of embracing that mindset of like, I don't care. Obviously I, I do care about, um, you know, my performance and this is like my whole life, but, but letting go of that expectation of like having to do a certain way and for me that's allowed me to truly do my best
1: yeah it's back to that golf example like you can rip and rip and just smack it as hard as you can but often it's gonna yep. go for a um for a nice yeah. slice or as i like to call it Absolutely. a power fade uh, it's, um, yeah cool so it was one of those moments where you were in a real flow state where you weren't forcing was that a time that you overtook brianna Wallins on a, in a sled event do you remember that <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh yes, actually that that whole um that event has like a nice little story to it, it which I think I shared on my Instagram um but so that was one of the events it was I think the last the last event that they announced um before competition so there was very little time to test it out I think I had basically like one day to test it out and then I was going to start my rest for the competition and I had, hadn't done I didn't know how the deficit was going to go. I'm pretty good at handstand pushups, but strict deficit sometimes are tricky for me. So I kind of felt like uh, I was practicing it and I was like, I I feel like I should be able to do this many reps unbroken. And so I tested it out, quickly hit a wall and was extremely frustrated, like stopped, you know, was crying, like again, because my reality was not matching up or my expectations were not meeting up with my reality. So I was like, I thought I should be able to do this many, but I'm only able to do this many. Um, But like I said, I was, I felt like I was so dialed in to, to that at that moment that I, within seconds, I was like, okay, well, this is my reality. I can't do that many that I thought I could. So how many can I do? And how can I minimize my total time for, forget the reps, but say it was 12 reps Um, I can't do 12 unbroken. I can't do six and six. So what happens if I do sets of three with a short rest from the get-go? And I basically timed out, okay, I have to rest this many seconds, (laughs) kick up, do three, come down, rest this many seconds, kick up, do three. And that's actually a pretty good time. Like that's much faster than I was trying to do six and six or whatever it was. And so I was able to really just shift my mindset and, be like, okay, this is, this is what I can do. And this is how I can make the best of what I can do right now. I would love to be able to do 12 unbroken, no problem, but that's not the case and won't be the case in three days from now. (laughs) So, um, that event was very much like I have to stay in my lane. Um, and I knew, I think the reps, the reps go up, I think on that one yeah I think the reps went up so it was very easy to get like baited into like going too fast especially with a movement like a strict instant push-up which if you've ever done you know once you hit a wall there's not really like you can't really push through it's just like total muscle failure um so I knew I just had to be really disciplined on that and went in I think was like bottom half of my heat on like the first two rounds and I was just like I, but I wasn't even aware of that I was just like this is my plan and this is um what I'm sticking to notice on the third round I was like kind of sneaking up towards the front and by that last round I just was so committed to my plan I was like okay I gotta push the toes to bar which I know that I can basically go to failure there and then really like push it out on the sled but it was so key on like those first three rounds of sticking to my plan of and the discipline of not coming out too fast on those hands and pushups and, you know, having somebody who's right there with you, of course, is one of the amazing things of competition where you get to, you know, ride that line and, and go back and forth a little bit with someone. And so that was, that was a really cool story from start to finish where like I you know, the the end, the outcome was, you know, pretty good. I won my heat and pretty good placing overall, but it started from a place of like struggle. You know, I was literally crying when I practiced it because I was like, oh, I'm going to, I can't, I can't do it. I'm broken. So I'm going to fail. Like, and um, so I think that one was probably the biggest, um, one of the biggest wins from that competition of just being able to be like, yeah wow. embrace my reality and then make the best possible outcome from it
1: nice have you heard of the OODA loop
0: Mm-mm.
1: okay so it says this um this theory from fighter pilot school whereas um if you've got two planes in a dogfight and they're, they're kind of trying to shoot each other down. The pilot that can go through the OODA loop quickest is the one that wins. And the OODA stands for Observe, Orient, Decide and Act. So the, you, mm-hmm. what you did there was an exact OODA loop. You observed the situation, mm-hmm. you saw you're like frustrated, emotional about it. Um, you saw the facts that, okay, I can't do these, unbroken. Um, And you quickly observed it. And then you orientated, you mentioned like, okay, I'm going to orientate myself to success. Like say, so what do I want mm-hmm. to do? I want to get the quickest time possible in this event. It doesn't matter how quickly I'm getting through these reps but it matters about mm-hmm. the total reps so it's like okay i've orientated myself you made a decision you act it, and the quicker we can go through these tasks the quicker mm-hmm. we develop so that's really cool to see that you did that
0: yeah for sure and i think like had i not been like had i not learned that and practiced that skill i think i easily could have just walked out of the gym that day when i was upset and then like well I'm just gonna suck at that event, or I'll, I'll hopefully I'll be able to do it the day of, which yeah. you know you're yeah. not going to be able yeah. to do it. Hope so. isn't a strategy. Yeah, exactly. I I just knew that I had to practice what was gonna what was gonna work for me and and essentially give me the best possible outcome.
1: Yeah. So this is all part for of me. being. Yeah. Exactly. That that yeah. those last two words are essential as well. It's like yeah. for for you. Um, mm-hmm. So this is all part of being an ultra-realist. Has that been your mantra at one point?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think that just kind of going back to that was like, I was able to find this calmness before semifinals of like, if I, I've been doing all the right things, um, training, preparing for the last however many months. And if I just, if I commit to, like I said, one of my goals was just giving my best effort on every single event and, Uh, doing as much as I could for recovery and between events preparation I would get the best possible outcome that was possible for me and so there was kind of this that that pressure that came off. it was like if that best possible outcome is in the top five great but if it's ninth place then I know that that's that's all I could do really and so there was no like I don't know, frustration in, in my placing because I, I just felt so fulfilled and, and that I did everything that I could, I guess. Nice. And
1: it's, it's interesting as well that you're mentioning about like, yeah, it didn't matter about replacing because the fulfillment because like what we're all trying to do at the end of the day to achieve anything is change our mental state we're trying to change those thoughts those emotions those feelings like all we're trying to do is modulate that that's why we do anything that's why we train that's why we drink that's why we socialize that's why we um, sleep like we're trying to change our mental state um so like the fact that you're recognizing like this helped me change my mental state and it helped me feel fulfilled like that is the ultimate goal that yeah. we're trying to get to mm-hmm. um and if you can get that through whatever level of um output however that looks the outside world then does it really matter but like but alongside that how how do you find your competition changes or your performance changes when you are in that kind of i've dropped my expectations
0: like i said i just i feel like that's when i'm able to perform my best and one of the ways that i kind of figured that out was that I was looking back, especially with sanctionals, when they had that format, there was a lot of opportunities to compete. And I was finding that no matter what the last event of every competition was like my favorite event, some of them were short, some of them were long, some of them had gymnastics, some of them have, were no gymnastics, like there was really no common theme in, in those style events besides that they were the last one. And so I and I was like, well, what could that be? Is it and I I feel like it's because at that moment on the last event, I was no longer within um range of meeting my results goal of, you know, making it to the games or qualifying to the next level. So I was able to just say, Well, this is the last one. I gotta give it my best effort and I know I'm not going to, you know, make my goal, but I still want to, um, you know, be live true to my character and work hard and have fun. And it was basically just removing all of that expectation and pressure. So I felt like that was a really big eye opener for me of like, how can I try to embody that mindset from event one? And so it's, it's harder to do when you, when there's still a possibility of like, you know, re- reaching that results go- go- um, goal and there's a lot of unknowns throughout the weekend that are going to come up, but trying to embody and switch your my perspective of one, you know, this event is, I'm just going to do my best on this event regardless of the outcome. And so I think that I forget
1: what the original question was
0: but so
1: good, so good. We, got was, to the, um, we got to the point i was, I was looking for anyway like they, they can yeah. performance the performance shifts and you kind of you feel yeah. better but the the releasing yourself from the outcome the, the dropping the pressure is yeah is what's important there like it's it's funny like mm-hmm. how we can the we think we need pressure to perform and sometimes a little bit of pressure is good like yeah. sometimes it's kind of yeah. it helps you find that little bit of extra edge but across mm-hmm seven eight nine events like it's really not gonna be maintained
0: yeah Yeah. and I think that's another thing that's kind of like the you know really good athletes quote-unquote perform well under pressure and so I was always I would always feel almost guilty of like, well, why can't I perform well under pressure? Why do I perform best when I take that pressure off of myself? And so that was a little bit of, kind of like we were talking before, of like the fun of, you know, professional athletes who are good have to be serious and, you know, they're tough under the pressure, Um, but maybe they're tough under the pressure because they're able to figure out a way to take the pressure off of themselves. and yeah. um so and and again just finding what works for you just because another athlete is doing it doesn't mean that's the only way or the best way to do it
1: yeah like you've really nicely inverted that as well like maybe it isn't because they're really good at performing under pressure maybe it's because everyone else is bad at performing under pressure and it just makes them look yes. good and maybe it's because they don't they know how to not feel the pressure that's yep. the, the interesting yeah. thing there um part of what is typically a pressure environment is preparing for a competition. You've also been working with um, Rachel, our head coach and co-host in our other format podcast um, for a while now. Would you be willing to talk about how you prep for a competition with, with Rachel?
0: Yes, absolutely. I think that a lot of the work goes in before your prepping for the competition wow. um it's not just like a week out you're like okay now we're going to start working on mindset it's it's really um learning those skills and applying them to your training because the training is is very similar to the competition so being able to identify which what stories are going to come up for you what things are going to be i guess like negative things that are going to be happening and being ready for those, I think. And um, for me, a big one is, is just like having something to prove almost like I've been competing for so many years now and been close to making it to the game. So I feel like I have to prove that I'm a legitimate professional athlete by making it to the game. Um, and so that's like a huge story that I, that I tell myself and that puts the pressure on me. Like, no, 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 I, I have to prove to you guys like I I, you know, am dedicated and I, I am doing all the work. Um and so just allowing that, like recognizing that and and having the confidence I think in myself and the trust of like I I don't have anything to prove. I know the work that I've put in and I'm fulfilled and and confident with with that work. And then also you know, more specifically, so those are kind of like bigger picture, like recognizing what's going to come up for you and like, how do you essentially like bridge that gap and, and, and change your perspective. And also like zooming out, I think was a big thing for me. It's easy to get caught up in, you know, just like I said, putting my value was very much dependent on how I placed and making it to the games or not. But zooming out and seeing like, okay, well, what is my like five year goal and how can this set me up for success for for getting closer to that goal versus like winning this one workout? And then thirdly, which is more of like the micro level, will be uh, when the events do come out, kind of like the handstand pushup one, like I was saying, what kind of expectations are you putting on yourself for that specific event? Um, maybe, a certain aspect is tougher for you, so you kind of count yourself out, like, oh, I'm not good at that, Um, for example, like, the rough run, I knew was going to be a really tough event for me, because I'm not a great long-distance runner, and, you know, I know that I've put in a lot of work in there, but it's just, like, not something that I naturally excel at, And so I think, and also that's a really long event to be just talking to yourself, you know, 45 minutes of you're just running with a weight on your back and there's not really a lot of thought that goes into it. And um, so just kind of preparing yourself for like, okay, when this comes up, like, I know that I'm going to feel this way, but this is either how I can shift my perspective or these are the goals that I, that are um, in my control that I can remember and and work towards. So I might be in last place or twentieth place, but I'm gonna like still, you know, give my best effort. And for that one, for me, I was like, I'm just not gonna walk. <laughs> so I'm gonna keep moving, and I'm gonna like keep pushing and and not walk. And so that one was extremely mental because I I started off the first lap. Everybody came out so fast, like running like a six thirty mile pace, and I was just like, well. I wish I could run a 630 mile pace to start off a, uh, a four mile run, but I know that I can't, uh, especially with a ruck. So (laughs) I'm going to stick to the pace that I know that I can run. And, um, little by little, I just, I started passing people and, and people were walking and, and it was, it was very easy, like two laps in to be like, well, this is going to be my place no matter what for the next two, two laps, because, um it's under the assumption that everybody else knew that they knew their pacing and was going to be able to stick to that but just staying tough and being like well i'm going to i'm just going to keep holding the pace that i know i can hold regardless of what everybody else is doing and i ended up moving up like 10 places throughout that event just by by holding on to that and it, yeah it wasn't a great placing for me but had I done the first lap and I was basically in last or second to last place, had I just kind of given up like, well, I'm going to get last anyways. And it's a bit, especially when you're in a, in a competition with so many events, like I was like, well, should I just save myself, you know, the energy to push through the later events where I know I can do better. Um, but then that was in violation with my goal, my uh, definition of success going in was that I was going to give my best effort, no matter the outcome. And so, no, I wasn't just gonna give up and get lost place. I was gonna just keep pushing, working as hard as I could. And you know, it ended up working out pretty well for that event. Yeah.
1: And paradoxically, when we focus on just giving our best effort, that's when the best results come. It's really yeah. cool to to see you mm-hmm. doing that. Um yeah. yeah, love that the emotional awareness to begin with, the kind of the the, the way you kind of you recognize the desire to kind of race off you recognize that was out of kind of a scarcity mindset almost that that would have driven that yeah. but you're like okay I'm going to sit back and race my own race and do what's in my mm-hmm. control which is exactly this and execute the plan nice it really nice mm-hmm. um why did you decide to begin working with Mindsetter I
0: think like I was saying earlier in 2018 when I kind of had that um I don't know if there's a wake-up call, but just kind of like this realization that like my physical training is no longer linear. And then also I think, you know, when when you are linearly getting better and better, it's, it's a little bit easier of a, it's less challenging on your mind because you're like, yep, I'm putting in more work and I'm getting better and I'm seeing the results and I'm seeing the outcome on the leaderboard. It's very easy to measure. And then- in 2018, I was like, well, am I getting better? Like, and it was, it was just a lot more complicated, I felt like, and on the mindset side. And, um, so I think that I was just kind of still struggling with that, with that mismatch of, of my mindset a little bit. And I felt like also when you're, when I first started CrossFit, you know, there's so much to get to get better at and you know you have bigger weaknesses than others and so I I felt like I was to a point where I was doing everything right that I could like I had a coach and I was working really hard and my nutrition was pretty dialed in and um, but I just felt like I was kind of um, neglecting this like mindset portion of it and so was getting more curious had heard the various athletes kind of talking about mindset work and so that's why I started working with you guys and I think that in retrospect I I wish I would have done it sooner because I think that it does it does play a big part and um like I've like I've mentioned before it's it's definitely a practice that you have to like be consistent with Um, and that's also that same mindset has what's led me to now to Vegas is like i feel like okay i've got now the mindset the nutrition the training okay but like what about environment so it just kind of like the next stone to like turn over and um that for me is like i think my ultimate goal is like i want to be an athlete who looking back on my career i felt like i didn't leave any stone unturned and i really uh, was curious to figure out what was going to work best for me and and how to maximize my um, my be, be, essentially be the best athlete that I can be
1: nice uh, like but that seems to be the thing that drives a lot of um, athletes work with us is that I'm like okay I know, I'm, I know I'm kind of not got the basis covered in these aspects but I know I'm doing what I can and it's like how can I become better what's the next step there um when I first signed up to working with my mindset mentors way like years and years back I was like this feels like weird to be investing in in this side of things I had like loads of doubts going through my mind about whether it would work um whether it was just a load of kind of witchcraft whether um like like what what is about like did you have any doubts about working with us and kind of do you remember how it felt to be starting that that journey
0: um, there was probably doubt, but I think I just more than anything, I felt excited to learn something new and to try to um, improve in this area that I hadn't given much. I had dabbled a little bit in journaling, but I always felt kind of just lost. Like I was, I would be like, okay, I feel like I should be journaling. I don't really know what I should write about. And so having that structure for me was at the point that I found you guys was exactly what I was looking for it was just like I need some structure to be like and really what I think that um, you guys do really well is just creating like verbiage around this stuff like mm-hmm. I didn't know I, I was experiencing all of these thoughts and um, and yeah all of these thoughts but I wasn't able to be aware because I didn't have the the language around it so like recognizing like what is down nature free nature and having these stories that i'm telling myself and just creating that framework helped me understand it a lot more
1: yeah yeah definitely and so like it, i find that really useful to, be able to say oh, this is this like I, oh someone else has experienced it before
0: mm-hmm.
1: um someone else yeah. has been through this process and like that load is yeah. often
0: and normalizing it too like exactly. oh this isn't just going on in my head like this is Normal.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like that's the wider purpose of Mindset Rex is here to kind of broaden the topic of mental health. And it's not mm-hmm. like some people have mental health issues. It's like we all have mental health and we <laughs> sit somewhere yeah. on the spectrum of it. Yeah. And whether that's from like or along that kind of continuum that Rachel talks about quite a lot, from mm-hmm. sickness to health to fitness, um, the same yeah. as CrossFit's model. Um, it would we sit in exactly the same model there. So we're all working on all conditioning, it, um whole time Mm -hmm. um what I'd like to wrap up with is what are you doing on a regular basis to make your days count to put you in the right headspace to kind of to train your your mindset
0: I think what I know works best for me is having um creating the time and space to have quiet time so like meditation um breathing and then I usually like to do that either before or after like my journaling and so I really appreciate the mindset arts prompts or um you know when we were getting closer to competition they were more uh specific prompts of journaling and just exploring different things that would that would come up and um just being prepared for when when I experience things when I would experience those thoughts in training. So just making sure that I create the time and space to be focused on that. Because I think if you try to just incorporate it, like when, if I would try to incorporate it when I'm training, it's just easier. It's easy to miss out on or not give it my full attention.
1: Sweet. And then finally to kind of practice aiming up and because that's that's something we like mm-hmm. to do what's on the horizon for you what are you excited about what are you working toward
0: right now I'm really just working towards getting back to my daily routine I think like I had mentioned before before semifinals, I was extremely disciplined extremely dialed in on every aspect um and I needed a little bit of a break from that too and I think that's my um my personality tends to be towards like plan and routine. And so it was really nice to just like let go of that for a little bit. And so I'm, I feel like I'm at a point where I'm craving that again. And I have, you know, the next couple months that I don't have too much stuff happening. And so I can really refine those daily routines again. And because it feels overwhelming when you take a little bit of a break and then you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to get back on, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to journal, I'm going to do my breathing work, I'm going to be back on my nutrition, I'm going to get on my training, sleep, like there's so many aspects, and so it's easy to feel overwhelmed, so I've just been having that grace, I think, with myself of, okay, this week, I'm going to try to hit all my training sessions, this week, I'm going to focus on, like, adding in uh, my nutrition, and then just, like, kind of layering all of those pieces together, and not having like an all or nothing mindset is I think really helpful of just like, Oh, I like messed up that this week, but next week I know it'll be easier because I've layered on that consistency week over week. And that's how it was leading up to semis. I wasn't like, you know, not doing any of that stuff. And then all of a sudden dialed in, like it had been a year and a half of me just like adding these things over and over. So I got to this point where it was like all, firing on all cylinders
1: and and really dialed in awesome yeah that's a really nice place to to wrap up because it's like it's so mm-hmm. intentional and it shows your intentionality and how you kind of built and yeah. it's like we need these uh cycles of of tension and lack of tension they kind of like mm-hmm. we built towards something then we had to take the pressure off it's, it's a nice way mm-hmm. to to wrap things up so yeah to find nice things where can people follow you on Instagram where can people find out a bit more about what you're working towards and kind of and support you
0: yeah check it out I'm mostly active on uh Instagram which is a scuds um I have a little bit of a YouTube channel i like to make vlogs especially when I'm traveling and not and whatnot and um yeah just keep up with me there on Instagram so
1: awesome. thank you so much what a podcast am i right um yeah incredible stuff from alison there showing how to train your mindset how to let go of this nagging feeling that we have to compare ourselves how to prepare for competitions it's endless the wisdom in here um i've listened to it twice already once for my own benefit and once to edit it but i'm gonna actually listen to it again it's it's fantastic and what a what an endorsement of working with coach rachel too super impressive following this episode we'll be releasing the debrief a summary of the wisdom within this conversation and practical steps for applying it in order to enhance your own mindset so make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast so you can start growing the mindset of a limitless athlete and you're also not gonna miss the cool shows that we have coming up with some incredible guests if you're on itunes a five-star review and some kind words are very very helpful For further mindset training and resources and tools, sorry, let me start that again. For further mindset training, resources and tools, head to MindsetRx.com or find us on Instagram by searching for MindsetRx. That's MindsetRxD. Oh, and we've got some really cool shit coming out soon. Um, Some stuff that we have never, ever done before. Some ways that you can start training your mindset without getting um hugely invested in the cost and the time some really applicable stuff so yeah keep an eye out for that definitely on instagram definitely on our email list um we're doing a weekly email as well called quad shot of brain gains which is yeah super cool and you're going to get some stuff from that anyway embrace hardship in training this week and don't forget to tune in next week where i'll be talking to actually you know what i'm gonna leave it there we have a cool guest I'm not going to give an intro. I'm not going to tease you other than saying it's a really, really cool guest. So make sure you subscribe and listen out for the next episode.